All right, biohackers, who doesn't love a yummy, creamy whey protein shake? Oh, it is such a treat. And I really love it as a meal replacement, post-workout recovery, maybe even a midday snack. So this is why I have to tell you about Puri Protein Powder. I absolutely love the bourbon vanilla flavor and the chocolate, but I think I got to go with the, the vanilla as my favorite. So it's smooth, it's delicious. And you know what else? It's pretty awesome that the flavors come from real natural ingredients like the bourbon vanilla seeds from Madagascar. And let's talk about quality because there's a lot of junk whey protein on the market that I would not recommend. So the Puree whey protein, it comes from pasture-raised cow's milk with no hormones, no GMOs, and no pesticides. This is because Puree's mission has always been to be the best at offering pure, clean, and superior products that, that support health and well-being. And what I think truly sets them apart is that they are fully transparent with their product testing. Every batch is third-party tested against more than 200 contaminants and certified clean by the Clean Label Projects. Not all brands can say this. Plus, each product contains a QR code so you can personally scan it and review the test results at home. I know you're excited to try it out. So what you're going to do is head on over to puri.com slash biohackerbabes. That's P-U-O-R-I.com slash biohackerbabes. And then make sure you use promo code biohackerbabes at checkout to save 20%. All right, let's get back to the show. We're digging deep and asking the questions we need to ask. Years of stress and not just emotional. I was depleting my body. I was malnourished. I'm working out like crazy. I'm eating all these healthy foods. How could I not be well? We have to get back to the basics. We can change the way our genes are expressed. Anyone that wants to improve their health or upgrade their health, they should be biohacking. My name is Renee. And I'm Lauren. We are the Biohacker Babes. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. The Biohacker Babes podcast aims to create insight into the body's natural healing abilities strengthen your intuition, and empower you with techniques and modalities to optimize your health and wellness. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode number two. We are both super excited about the topic today because it is one thing that you can do that will make you live longer, boost your memory, make you more attractive, support weight loss, reduce food cravings. It will also prevent cancer, dementia, heart disease, diabetes, and it's going to make you a happier, less anxious person. So, dun, 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 dun. can you guess what it is? Is it sleep? Ding, 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 you win. <laughs> yeah, so we're here to talk all about sleep today. Sleep is this mysterious but very necessary part of our daily life. We spend one third of our life sleeping, which sounds kind of crazy, right? But yeah, one third of our life. We're sleeping hopefully seven to eight hours a night. That's a third of our 24-hour cycle, one third of our life. 
So we know that two thirds of adults in developed nations get less than eight hours of sleep a night, which is just not okay. So we're going to go into that today. We're going to cover why sleep is essential, why it's going to make you hotter and how to hack your sleep. And then the big sleep debate, of course, and our favorite hacks to a better night's sleep. Yeah. And so Lauren, we're not the only ones interested in the topic of sleep apparently, because I asked our Instagram followers for a couple of questions for our sleep episode and I was inundated with so many questions. So we are going to do our best to kind of answer this throughout the episode, but definitely stay tuned to the end for any questions we didn't cover. We will get to them at the end of the episode. And because this is such a huge topic, this is not going to be our only episode about sleep. This just is sort of an introduction to, we're going to do our best to cover the basics of it. So you can start hacking this now, but we're going to get more into the nitty gritty as we go along. So keep sending us your questions. We're just going to keep talking about sleep because as we said, one third of your life, that's a huge deal. So why is it important? We could argue that it's the most important factor for overall health. So actually even more important than diet and exercise. So sleep is when your body gets rest and recovery. So your brain, your muscles, your nervous system, all of your organs are going through repair while you're sleeping. So if you're not sleeping, none of that is happening. So it's sort of like forgetting to charge your iPhone at the end of the night, overnight. Your phone's not going to work the next day, right? You have to turn your phone off. You have to stop using it. You have to plug it in so it can recharge and work. So that's just sort of my modern day analogy. Most people have smartphones. It's also sort of like taking your car in to either get a car wash or to get a part fix. Like your car has to be turned off so we can really go in and fix all of the systems. So it's going to be shiny and new and have the energy and the horsepower that it needs to work. So your body operates the same way. So all of the hard work that you did today cannot be repeated tomorrow without the rest and recharge. Yes. I love that analogy. That's amazing. When our sleep is optimal, our diet even improves. So with my nutrition background, I was always focusing on diet and nutrition, obviously. But now when I focus on sleep with my clients, their diet naturally improves. It's amazing. So when you get good sleep, you have a better mood. So you're able to make more positive choices, choose healthier foods. You then have more energy to get you through the afternoon. So you're not reaching for that extra cup of coffee or maybe that sugary high carb snack. And also your exercise will improve because one, you have more energy just to get to the gym and you can actually recover faster when you have optimal sleep. So you can then complete those harder workouts and see better results faster. And like you kind of said, you know, there isn't any major organ within the body that isn't enhanced by sleep. Everything is affected by sleep. And especially the immune system, if you want to fight off the cold and the flu, you have to be sleeping. It's essential for the immune system and your brain too. That's when your brain kind of resets. So if you want optimal brain function, that comes in. And then enhancing athletic performance and then even regulating your microbiome. So everyone's talking about gut health now, right? It's all about the probiotics and prebiotics and taking care of your gut. Well, actually sleeping well can have an impact on your microbiome. It's fascinating. I love what you said about like not changing diet or exercise and just getting better sleep and you're going to see increased results. That's amazing because, you know, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made between what you're going to eat, what workouts you're going to do and how cool that just changing your sleep can maybe reduce all of the decisions that you have to make and just everything's going to be enhanced. It's going to function more optimally. That's really cool, Renee. So... 
we all know that you are wondering how sleep is going to make you hotter, right? That's sort of our through line here on the Buy Our Hacker Babes podcast. We're making you healthy from the inside out. We want to make you glow. We want to make you feel good in your body. And sleep does make you hotter. So one of the number one factors we can look at is that poor or inefficient sleep has been strongly linked to weight gain. So we know that a full night of sleep repairs the communication pathway between parts of the brain that control desires and cravings. And sleep can restore these impulse control centers and prevent excessive eating. There's a lot of research to show out there that better sleepers actually eat less. And I think Renee can go more into the science about that. Yeah. And a big part of that is the two kind of um, hunger satiety hormones, ghrelin and leptin. And an easy way to remember how these work is ghrelin. I always think of like, grr, like your stomach's growling. It's making you more hungry. <laughs> so ghrelin Good. is that, yeah, it's the hunger hormone. So we need ghrelin, right? Because we actually want to eat food. So it tells your body, hey, time to eat, go find something. And then leptin is the opposite. It actually shuts off that signal. It tells your brain, hey, we've had enough to eat. We're good. Get out of the kitchen. So we want these to be in balance at all times. And that's going to make following a healthy diet much easier. But when you don't get enough sleep, they swap. It's not good. So then your brain doesn't get that signal to stop eating and you end up overeating. So we want to keep those under control for sure. And then also blood sugar regulation. So you've probably experienced that blood sugar crash. Maybe you had a muffin or a bagel, donut, whatever, junk for breakfast. And then you have that crazy blood sugar crash where you have brain fog and fatigue and all you want is that quick energy from like a candy bar or coffee. So if we can control the blood sugar regulation, that makes diet easier as well. But just even one week of poor sleep can negatively impact your blood sugar level so much that you could actually show up as pre-diabetic on your blood work. Wow. That's crazy. Just one week of negative or poor sleep. We know what an epidemic this pre-diabetes and diabetes is in this country. So this could be a major breakthrough for some people. Absolutely. Cool. So we see the link to weight gain and then these hunger and satiety hormones. The next big thing is muscle repair. So when you're sleeping, your body goes through recovery. You're in a complete anabolic state. So that means instead of breaking down muscle tissue and outputting energy, everything's coming in to rest and restore. You're completely anabolic. And if you're missing out on the sleep, it can take two to three times longer to recover from a workout. So if you're someone that really enjoys going to the gym every single day, which I personally do not encourage, but a lot of people do it for the endorphins, for the community. They like to show up and be surrounded by people, which is awesome. We can get into that more later. But if you're trying to show up the next day and do another workout, but you didn't sleep, you are doing a disservice to your body. So you need that muscle repair and you cannot access it in, unless you are fully sleeping through the night, seven to eight hours. Yeah. And it's really interesting you brought that up because last week, as we were kind of preparing for this episode, I told you my experience where I did this really intense workout, I think Tuesday night. And then Wednesday would usually be my off day or my rest day. But I'm like, you know, my husband's going to the gym. I'll just go with him. I'll go do class. I got there and I was like, my body is not functioning. <laughs> I was like, what am I doing? So it was just like confirmation that you really need that rest. And even though I had a good night's sleep, I wasn't recovered. And that's why that whole episode that we're going to do on recovery is going to be super exciting. 
Um, yeah. And who wants to waste money on an expensive workout class? I don't know. I live in New York and it is like expensive to go to a workout class. Right. I don't want to show up <laughs> and spend $40 and then not feel my best and not get my money's worth. So right. yeah, that's interesting. It's cool that you are really tuned into that. Uh, we'll get more into the tracking, but I think you intuitively knew that you weren't ready for it. So cool. Oh yeah. You can totally feel it. You can feel it. So I love that that advice for sure. And so two of my favorite studies that uh, came out recently on sleep were, one was about how people that sleep more are more attractive. So they- Love that. Yes. I mean, sleeping beauty was a genius. Yeah, truth. (laughs) So beauty sleep is a real thing. But this study, they took a group of people, they let them sleep eight hours a night for a week and they took their photos. And then they deprived all of them of sleep for 31 hours and took their photos again. And then they put the photos side by side, just at random, and had this other group come in and say, you know, who's more attractive of, you know, the same person. So looking at me sleep deprived versus me being eight hours of sleep a night. And almost 100% of the time they picked the better slept photo as being more attractive. Without knowing. Yeah. And then my other really favorite sleep study was they took a group of people where they didn't change diet or exercise at all. Nothing changed there, but they got them to sleep at least eight hours a night. They almost all lost weight. That's so cool. That's real stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking better (laughs) just to recap where we started. You're going to look better. We're going to decrease your propensity for weight gain. We're going to restore those hunger satiety hormones And it goes even further with the hormones. And Renee already mentioned gut health, but these are really tied pretty closely. So there's this whole release of hormones that has to happen in the evening into the nighttime before you go to bed to signal these repair cycles. Gosh, we could go into a rabbit hole. But if you're not releasing these hormones, you're getting a decline in brain activity and function. You're going to experience more inflammation and pain. There's even dysfunction within the reproductive cycle. And then we have chaos in the gut. So without this balance in the nervous system created by these rest and repair hormones, you're getting some chaos in the microbiome, which as Renee said, creates decreased immunity. It is just a cascade of chaos. So if you are not convinced by now that sleep is important, call us. We will talk to you directly. (laughs) Yeah. So this, and also in regards to making you hotter, if we don't want to be sick, right? Like we don't look our best when we're sick. So decreased immune function is not going to make you hotter. Not being able to absorb nutrients because your microbiome is a disaster is not going to make you hotter. These are all things that are going to affect you from the inside out. And they're going to show on your face, on your body, your energy. This is so huge. Yeah. And so I think just to close that out, out, just one more statistic about the immune system is if you routinely sleep less than six or seven hours a night, it has found to more than double your risk for cancer. So that's terrifying. You have some other sleep stats on that. What? Wait, on immune function? Uh, Or just uh, shorter sleep? You mentioned some earlier when we were talking. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a link to major cardiovascular issues. So increased risk for stroke, congestive heart failure. Also, a lot of the major psychiatric conditions are linked to poor sleep. So depression, anxiety, increased risk of suicidal thoughts. And actually, the World Health Organization has declared sleep loss an epidemic 
I mean, it's massive and it's having a huge impact on health worldwide. Yeah. So, okay. We have proven that we need sleep, but how do we get into how much sleep each person needs? How do you know if you're getting enough? How do you know if the quality is right? We're going to get into all these things. So I think the simple answer is it varies for each person. So again, empowering you to be your own biohackers and educate yourself and empower yourself to ask the right questions. And then also tracking it. Tracking your sleep is the most powerful way to figure out what you need to change in your lifestyle. We personally like to track with our aura rings. Uh, If you don't have one of these, you can check your morning heart rate variability and resting heart rate. We'll get into that more later. And then it does vary for each person. So we love to talk about sleep chronotypes. If you're not familiar with Dr. Bruce, he's a sleep doctor. He wrote a book called The Power of When. It's not The Power of Now. Power of When. So he categorizes everyone into four different animal types because we're all programmed to function better at certain times of the day. There's a circadian rhythm, like this 24-hour cycle that physiologically dictates when we're doing certain things and have energy for certain things. And we can all be like a little bit different. So there's four types. So when someone says they're a night owl or they're a morning person, there is some truth to that. So, and sometimes there's just some adjustments to lifestyle choices, but People that are naturally inclined to wake up early or go to bed a little bit later, there is something to that. So I'm actually a dolphin, which I feel a little cursed in that way. I am naturally (laughs) a light sleeper. Dolphins are only 10% of the population. So I've learned a lot about myself as a dolphin and how I need to sort of reorganize my day. Like I know that waking up and doing some sort of activity immediately is better for my type. Whereas the other types, the lion, the bear, the wolf do better with exercise later in the day. So there's lots of information with this chronotype. What are you, Renee? I'm more of a bear. I definitely have no trouble sleeping. I could hibernate. Uh, (laughs) Yes. Same Um, with mom. Mom is a bear. She can sleep anywhere. I'm pretty sure dad is a dolphin like me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where your brain is kind of like running through the night. No, I yeah, because dolphins have like a hemispheric brain that so there's always one part of their brain that's turned on, right? Which is how dolphins really are, right? When they when they sleep in the water, they sleep with one half of their brain. Yeah, it's so cool they could do that. Oh, super impressive and really annoying for humans. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but like you said, you have to just figure out what works best with your schedule and like. As a bear, I definitely do better with the later workout, like four or five o'clock is best for me. Yeah, awesome. And that's actually sort of a general guideline. Most people do better with afternoon workouts. It's the optimal ratio between testosterone and cortisol. So your cortisol is, is lowering throughout the day and your testosterone is going up. So there's this sort of meeting of the two and it's optimal around 5 p.m. And I think that's when most of the chronotypes do well. Exercise. Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because... I guess when your cortisol is high in the morning, when I work out in the morning, I crash pretty bad after. So maybe it's just too much cortisol for me. That's interesting. So a lot of people do better easing into their day, like doing something a little bit lighter and not, I guess, blowing their wad in the morning. But it's personal. (laughs) It's really, you got to listen to your own body and figure out what works for you. Yeah. And then I think on top of finding out your chronotype, you have to really sit back and ask yourself some important questions. You know, Mm. do you wake up without an alarm in the morning? Do you ever have the urge to nap before 11 o'clock? Can you function without caffeine? That's really important to know. And then even do you feel hungry throughout the day? 
after you've eaten? You know, is that causing some kind of dysregulation? And then are your usual workouts getting harder? Those could all be signs of sleep deprivation. So you really need to be aware of all of those. Yeah, amazing. So we're always trying to empower you to be your own biohacker. And again, asking questions is is the best way to find out your unique code or schedule or how to arrange your lifestyle. So ask yourself these questions, figure out the answers, and then we'll go a little deeper into what those all mean. Yeah, those are all good biohacking tools for sure. Take the quiz, take the sleep chronotype quiz and ask yourself those questions, write it down, answer, see what's going on. So Renee, we're both fascinated with sleep. I'm not really sure how we both got on this journey, but (laughs) why don't you tell everyone how you've sort of experienced sleep and what you've learned from it from your own personal account. Yeah, it is funny timing that we both started getting interested around the same time. And honestly, I think dad did as well. And, and you know, he came out with his sleep book almost two years ago. So the three of us have been really interested in it lately. But for me, my journey started back in high school when I did not understand the importance of sleep. I was running on like four to five hours of sleep every night because... I would wake up at 5.45 and I would go to school all day and then I would have musical theater rehearsal and then dance company rehearsal. And then I would go perform at our local dinner theater. And then I would be doing homework till one or two in the morning. I mean, like... That was the longest day ever. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how I functioned for at least a couple years on that schedule. But I guess, you know, when you're younger, you can kind of survive in that fight or flight survival mode, literally. And I did that a little bit too in college. But then if you all listen to episode number one, you learned that I completely crashed after college in 2008. So mm-hmm. it definitely like caught up to me. You can't do that forever. And then I went to the other extreme where I was sleeping 12, 13 hours a night just to kind of catch up on that sleep deprivation. And now I'm around like nine hours a night. I feel my best and I'm still trying to hack that so that I can maybe sleep eight hours and feel my best. So that's where my aura ring has been such a blessing because I can really learn what affects my sleep, what causes more deep sleep or REM sleep and how exercise and food, all of that impacts that. But for me, really nine hours is my magic number and I'm working to get that down to eight, maybe. What do you think will happen at eight hours? Is that a result of the amount of REM or deep sleep you're getting? Like, What is the idea behind trying to decrease it? Yeah, I'm just trying to get more... Honestly, I think my deep sleep is pretty good. I get a good amount earlier in the night and I get around 20% deep sleep almost every night. But my REM sleep is really affected later in the morning. If I only get seven, maybe eight hours of sleep, I don't get enough REM, but I get a ton of REM in that final hour. So if I can figure out how to hack that, where I get more REM a little bit earlier in the night, then maybe at eight hours, I can wake up and feel great. And really, I'm trying to hack that just because who doesn't want an extra hour in their day, right? (laughs) I could do a lot with an hour. Yeah. Efficiency. Efficiency, definitely. So just as far as percentages and the cycles go, we need like 20 to 25% of REM. Deep sleep is a little bit less, but like 20% would be good. Definitely. And it changes as you age, right? We we definitely see less deep sleep as we age, but 20%, maybe 15 to 20% is a good goal. Right. Yeah. And so what am I trying to do with sleep? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. What's your... Personal my REM sleep is not optimal. So I'm using the aura ring and 
So I wasn't getting enough sleep in the last few years of my life, honestly, as a trainer and then trying to balance out being on Broadway, doing shows late at night. There's not a lot of time in between the two. So I was up late and then waking up early for clients. And when I started tracking with my aura ring, I realized that I wasn't getting enough REM sleep. The optimal is 25%, like we just said. And you actually don't get most of your REM sleep until later in your sleep. So I actually get it in the last like two hours. So around 6 a.m., 7 in the morning is when it really revs up. So when I was waking up super early in the morning, I was completely cutting off my REM sleep, which I think was really detrimental to my health. And also before I, I, I really sort of feel like a dummy in this way, before I started using my aura ring, I used to believe that time in bed equaled time asleep. I don't know how I didn't really wrap my head around this before, but it was like, no, okay, I if I lay down... <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Thank you for making me You're feel not alone. Way. You're not alone. <laughs> I would be like, if I lay down at midnight and I woke up at eight, I'm getting eight hours. And I would start looking at my aura ring and I'm getting six and a half, which I don't know, once I go below seven and on the aura ring, it turns red and red is like not good. Like red is really scary. It's crazy because I'm a light sleeper. I'm a dolphin. I wake up a lot throughout the night, which I am also trying to hack the light sleep. But I was not getting optimal, optimal sleep, even though I was laying down and then setting my alarm for an optimal time. So that realization was really interesting. But I think my optimal total sleep is probably closer to seven hours, seven and a half. Like when all of the factors seem right, I, I wake up without an alarm clock. And, and that's a definite goal to wake up without an alarm clock, but not quite there. Yeah, so it great. really is amazing how our how good our bodies are at survival. Like you said, Renee, like you you just made it through. Like your body chose survival. There was no other no other choice. But there's some crazy studies, and I hate to get into this about animal studies, but testing rats and they were able to like effectively kill off the rats by depriving them. Like after three weeks, it was pretty bad and crazy. So your body's going to survive, but you are increasing this like sleep debt, the sleep deprivation. It's really, really hard to get back. So if you're saying like, I'm going to wait to sleep when I'm dead, like that's a death sentence. Don't, you got to get that out of your head. Like you need to sleep now. That's how we thrive. Yeah. And that just reminded me, there's a genetic disorder and I'm, I'm blanking on the name of it right now, but it's, it's a type of insomnia, but if you have this genetic disorder, you actually do die from sleep deprivation. Right. It's like this incurable insomnia. And this is not the normal insomnia people hear about all the time. This is different. This is a genetic condition. And it's a very small percentage of the population, right? Do you have- Oh, yeah. I don't, but it's super, super rare. But they don't really have a cure for it at this time. So if you have that, there's potential you could die in your like 40s. It's a pretty, pretty awful thing. But anyways, my point is, I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom. My point is that sleep deprivation really can kill you at a younger age. It's horrible to say, but yeah, um, yeah, don't wait till you're dead to to sleep. (laughs) That's too long. That's a perfect transition into this whole controversy or myth around sleep. I think our culture has taught us that if you sleep in or sleep too much, you are considered lazy, right? 
Yeah, I definitely used to believe that. And I mean, that's why Starbucks has done so well, right? There's a Starbucks on every corner because everyone is sleep deprived and they're running on caffeine and whatever else to get through the day. Yeah, it's just like, wake the heck up, even though you didn't sleep. Yeah, it's time to be productive, like get up and go. So we know now that sleep is not for slackers. I have had to sort of reframe that process in my mind to not consider myself lazy and not to be hard on myself if I need to sleep a little bit more. So especially being a trainer, I used to think, oh, I have to wake up at 5am, 6am. If I'm going to get my business off the ground and have like a thriving clientele base, like I have to be waking up early. This is just the business, right? And then I realized, no, I can make this work for me. And we talked about this in the first episode. If I'm not helping myself, I can't help other people. And adding more sleep to my lifestyle and putting a priority on that has been a huge, huge tool for me in in biohacking my health and in increasing my health and longevity. So if you are out there feeling terrible for sleeping in, don't. We're trying to get rid of that myth. You need to sleep. You should be proud of your sleep. Do not feel bad for it. Yes, no guilt. No guilt. I know, easier said than done, but we're going to (laughs) start this. This is our mission. Yeah, it takes time for sure. So let's get into some of the causes of poor sleep. Renee, you're really good at running down this list. Yeah, well, the first one is kind of like what you just said, right? That 24-7 lifestyle, um, just feeling like sleep is for slackers and running around all day. That's number one. You can't just lay your head down and be like, okay, time for sleep. Like there's a lot you need to do ahead of time. That's huge. A lack of sleep hygiene, which we're going to get into next, which is really about creating an optimal sleep environment and not following your circadian rhythm, which this is such a cool topic, but we're going to do an entire episode just on circadian rhythm and how important that is. Napping too much or at the wrong time. So there's a lot of science behind the optimal nap and we have found it to be 26 minutes based off of research done by NASA. So 26 is the magic number. And just remember, if you do have trouble falling asleep at night, you probably don't want to be napping during the day because it's going to affect that sleep pressure that builds up throughout the day. So just Mm -hmm. be aware of how you do with napping. I think it can be a good thing. And some of the smartest people in history, like Einstein, I believe, was a napper. So it's different for everyone. Also exercise. 26 minutes seems like such a random number. I'm going to try know, that because right? I, I do well with 20 minutes. I'm actually not a napper because it's, well, napping is actually contraindicated for dolphins because we're light sleepers. And like you said, we can reduce sleep pressure by napping. So for me, I have swapped out my afternoon nap when I sort of feel like my brain is getting a little sluggish with a meditation but I always set an alarm for 20 minutes and that really helps me to not fully go to sleep, but just sort of let my brain recharge. And maybe I should try 26. Yeah. I think meditation is a good option as well, where you're not like totally falling asleep. But yeah. And I think the 26 minutes is considering that it takes a few minutes to maybe actually fall asleep, but then you don't want to wake up groggy. Um, And there is an app for it. I think it's called nap 26. So it has some sounds and things that get you through the 26 minutes. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. So a few other things that cause poor sleep, definitely exercising too late in the day. And that's mostly because it's heating your body up too late in the evening. And we'll get into why that's an issue. Mm -hmm. And 
eating the wrong foods throughout the entire day can affect your sleep. So it's not just what you're eating for dinner, but it's also what you're eating for breakfast. And then another sleep hygiene thing is all about lighting. So too much of that bright blue light at night and not enough good, healthy sunshine during the day. And then the final thing that we really see affect sleep is EMFs. So that's the radiation that's coming from you know your Wi-Fi, your phone. Those can actually have a really Im- big impact on the amount of time you spend in deep sleep. So sometimes you need to maybe... Computer. Yeah. Get that stuff out of the bedroom. Yeah. Great. So we have made a list of our top eight sleep hygiene tips. So we're going to go through those with you. Also talk about how to clean up your bedroom, create an optimal sleeping environment so you can have your best night of sleep ever. And then we're going to get to all of your questions that were sent in on social media. So the conversation continues in part two of this episode. So as soon as this finishes, check it out on iTunes and we will meet you over there. Thanks so much for tuning in. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. Happy biohacking.